0: Hey guys, it's Nat here, and I just wanted to let you know about an upcoming event that we will be doing. It will be at St. Mary's College of California, my alma mater, and... We will be working with the St. Mary's Museum of Art in order to host a QA and a and live podcast as part of their Feminizing Permanence programming. It's going to be an amazing exhibition they're putting on. And we will be hosting a live show on March 19th to promote Feminizing Permanence and just trying to bring attention to female artists. And yeah, we're looking forward to it a lot. I can't wait to go back to Moraga and see my old campus. And yeah, you guys should make it if you're in the Bay Area. We'll get more details about the timing and everything as it gets closer. But the date again is Thursday, March 19th. It'll be in the evening at St. Mary's College of California at the Museum of Art. So stay tuned for more information on that. And we hope to see you guys there. Enjoy the episode.
1: Art
0: History, Babes. Art History Babe Briefs.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey.
0: I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes.
1: BB time. BB time. BB time. BB time. BB time. Oh, maybe we should do. We. we... Should do a quick uh, explanation. Every once in a while, we got to explain to you guys the differences between our episodes because we have a lot of different kinds of episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: fair. That's so considerate of you.
1: Yeah, you know, I do my best. Um, this is a baby episode. Our baby episodes are shorter, they're a bit more scripted and a little less conversational. They are clean, so you can use them in school or, you know, around little ones or whatever you get to, decide however you care to use these, but we try and make them a little bit more accessible to impressionable audiences. Yeah, so that's what this is. This is a baby episode. And then we also have our regular full-length episodes, which are not clean and are a lot more conversational and kind of wild sometimes. And then we also have our hot takes episodes, which are on subjects that are very tangentially related to art history. It's more like contemporary visual culture stuff like TV shows and things. And then we kind of examine it through an art historical lens and just, like, share our opinions. And those are really fun. I love a Hot Takes episode. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, those are our episodes. In case you were confused.
0: Be confused no more.
1: There it is. What are we talking about today, Natalie?
0: We are talking about, well, you know what? Let me just set the scene for you.
1: (laughs) Set it. Set that Mm -hmm. scene. All
0: right. Imagine... You, along with 19 other individuals, gather in a darkened room. You all put on your 3D glasses, so when the projector begins, you feel immersed in this golden landscape before you. A female figure dressed in a stunning peach kimono is born out of one of seven floating balls of light, and feathers flutter outward from her fingertips. As she hovers, she chants and hums as if she's meditating while a glowing light forms in her midsection, then kind of floats off into midair before returning back to her and going back into her body. (laughs) Meanwhile, other balls of light become little pastel-hued aliens, and they play instruments and make cute little squeaking sounds and hover around their beloved goddess. The seven figures levitate above a serene scene of still water and flat land, while a hazy sunrise shines from behind, illuminating the sky and reflecting in the calm water below. Below our female figure, a bright orange and pink lotus flower floats on the water. All of our figures dissolve into the cosmos, finally, and stars seem to shoot out of the screen and over the audience. In actuality, fans are gently blowing sandalwood-scented cool air at the figures for a final olfactory experience. So, Corey, you and our listeners just experienced Nirvana.
1: Sounds like everything I want in life, man. You just laid it out.
0: 7 minutes of Nirvana.
1: That's literally that's literally all I want. It's all I'm searching for, really. <laughs> all of this. I'm searching this is what I'm searching for.
0: Well, you found it.
1: I have been looking for Nirvana, which is a multi-sensory experience created by Japanese-born artist Mariko Mori in 1997. It's a 3D video installation titled Nirvana, a reference to the state of mind where one escapes the suffering of this world. So not a reference to the early 90s grunge band fronted by Kurt Cobain, but it's okay. As far
0: as we know... No. I mean, but we'll th- look into th- it. Those
1: two things m- might be one and the same. We don't know.
0: Hey, I could see it, Kurt. Right. I believe in you, man.
1: <laughs> I was going to make a dark joke there, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, they're just. Begging to be made.
1: (laughs) I know. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving. All right. So it's a 3D video installation titled Nirvana, a reference to the state of mind where one escapes the suffering of this world and realizes their own oneness in the universe. Mori's art often explores Buddhist themes and employs Buddhist symbolism. For example, the floating female figure in Nirvana is actually Mori herself, but dressed and posed as Kiki Joan a Japanese female deity of wealth and good fortune who is adapted via Buddhism from the Hindu goddess Lakshmi. She is also considered to be the goddess of happiness, fertility, and beauty. Reaching transcendence isn't generally associated with technology, but this meditative work wouldn't be possible without the help of CGI, which is computer-generated imagery. Using a computer, Mori was able to create this entire scene digitally using a mix of real-life footage and computer-generated images. Herself and the Dead Sea landscape are modified from reality, but come together to create a surreal fantasy land immersing the viewer.
0: Mori came into prominence in the mid-90s, and though her Japanese heritage certainly plays a role in her art, she wants her art to transcend nationality and to speak to people on a universal level. As an Asian-born artist who studied in London, Mori doesn't want to be confined to the Western or Eastern canon of art, so she's really looking to create something that speaks to people on a human and a universal level.
1: Isn't that that what we all want? Don't we all just want to Speak to humans.
0: I think so. I think uh, especially when we're talking art, like it's all right? about being human and just trying to figure out what the f- that's about or what that means. I don't know. It's so hard for me to today.
1: <laughs> Beep. I, think that, I think your thing at
0: the beginning was a reminder to me. It was just like a subtle like nudge. Like, Hey, <laughs> remember, stop swearing. <laughs> remember what these are about. <laughs> <laughs> So once Mori moved from London to New York City, she said that she felt more inclined to explore her Japanese identity as well as her global identity. And I think that was just because New York City is a place where most people living there are not from there. So bringing national identity or just another regional identity along with you is more common or I don't know. That's how she was explaining it. I think I'm kind of butchering, but... She explores themes from both cultures within her work, and more often she really tries to deal with the universal themes such as spirituality, technology, nature, and oneness. In her early career, she worked as a model, and her time in the fashion world is really evident throughout her artistic career. Often compared to Cindy Sherman, Moore is no stranger to the camera, and she often posed for her own art early in her career, just as we see she did in Nirvana.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of Cindy Sherman. Like you can you can see that comparison in a lot of the work where Maury herself is kind of the center. Mm-hmm. Like I I definitely see kind of a similar because she a lot like Cindy Sherman. She's dealing a lot with the gaze and mm-hmm. like how she portrays herself in a certain you know, space and how people react Mm -hmm. to her in a certain space. But yeah, you can also check out our baby episode on Cindy Sherman if you want to learn more about that. But yeah, there's definitely, I think Maury just takes it to a more, what's the word I'm looking for? A more spiritual Mm -hmm. level, elevating it to, to these bigger ideas of like wholeness and oneness. But there is still this element of how people react to one another, which is super interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where Mori wanting to move away from her Japanese identity being like such a large part of her art. Makes sense. But even in the fact that she's dealing with like global and universal identity, she weirdly can't avoid the Japanese part because of Mm -hmm. her experience. And I think especially being Japanese born and then moving to a place like London or New York, like Cindy Sherman as a white woman, I think had a lot more ability to just project other characters onto herself and be like more of a blank canvas because totally the art world, especially the worlds that both Maury and Cindy Sherman were working in is predominantly white and made for predominantly white audiences. So, you know, while Maury is really pushing the boundaries of human identity beyond just the terrestrial, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but da da da
1: <laughs> there was something in I mean, there. I mean, I was yeah. with you. I I I was like, yeah, yeah. Natalie's got this, right now. I've <laughs>
0: never been a good finisher, so we'll just <laughs> leave it with that lovely ending. And take a quick break before we come back to talk about purely Yes,
1: let's do it. And we're back. Back, 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 back. We're back to this baby episode we're talking about mariko mori and let's talk about pure land pure land is a photographic still from nirvana which was printed and placed behind thick glass it's one of four images from the esoteric cosmos series which man like if you didn't already have me sold Mm -hmm. like the the just the name esoteric cosmos. Like I'm in. Like I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> like done. Sign. Done, and up. done. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. It sounds, that sounds great to me. Um, so it's a one of four images from the Esoteric Cosmo series, which our friends over at Sardle aptly compared to Nickelodeon's Avatar, The Last Airbender, because each one represents an element. And yeah, speaking of things that I love, I also love Avatar, The Last Airbender. So yeah, good.
0: Yeah. I love Avatar. I love our friends at Sardle And yeah, it's just- yeah.
1: I I really need to uh rewatch the last airbender. It's been a minute, but
0: Oh yeah, I, I haven't it. seen it since high school, so I don't really remember other than just like stills in my mind of cool scenes and really amazing art, but
1: it's that's just, about it. Yeah, but it's also like it's just so solid, like so many life lessons in that. Mm-hmm. Like in that show. Yeah, if you haven't watched Avatar the Last Airbender, got to check it out.
0: Corey, maybe we should start watching it and we can do a hot take <gasps> on it.
1: Yes! Uh, I adore this idea. Yeah, 100%. Yep, we're definitely doing a Last Airbender hot take. That's happening at some point in the future. Watch out for it. All right. In Shinto Buddhist philosophy, the Pure Land is a celestial realm of the celestial Amida Buddha. The Amida Buddha, like the goddess Kiki Joan, Has been cited as a reference for Mori's female character in Nirvana Pure Land. Amida Buddha is the primary Buddha of the Pure Land, basically, paradise. So she's definitely making reference to this particular deity. The Dead Sea landscape has been interpreted as a symbol for rebirth, seeing that it's a desolate environment, but here it's shown at dawn. The other reason being that in Buddhist faith, salt is a metaphor for purification. Additionally, the lotus flower floating in the Dead Sea symbolizes purity and reincarnation. And in the background on the shore, we see a rocket ship-like structure that has been likened to a futuristic Tibetan stupa.
0: Yeah, so Pure Land is really just a still from Nirvana the video. Maury was talking in an interview about how she wanted to create an experience Outside of Nirvana, because it's a video installation that only 20 people can see at a time. It has a finite amount of time that you're there, it's seven minutes long, and then you need to leave. So, while that is a very immersive experience, it's short. Mm -hmm. And for people who want maybe a longer meditative experience with the scene, Pure Land is a giant printed copy where you can have that kind of experience if you're looking for it you could sit or stand in front of the work for as long as you wanted, in theory and meditate on it
1: yeah I I mean I love that because I definitely think it's a huge thing just with where we are in contemporary art this notion of both recording art in certain ways but also creating different elements of an experience I think it's it's really central to what a lot of artists are doing or trying to do because we are in a, time where just these like multi-sensory type experiences are becoming more of a thing but you also want there to be an experience of the artwork outside of that you know ephemeral moment and and it's also interesting because you're just like adding layers to this artwork because obviously the still is not the same thing it is a different Mm -hmm. artwork it's connected to the original artwork but it's a different thing experiencing something as a still is different than experiencing so as a video or an, as an immersive experience. And I feel like with this, like if you're lucky enough to experience all of them, like you mm-hmm. have such a layered understanding and experience of, of what Maury's trying to do. And that is just infinitely fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think you said it best, like at the end there with what she's trying to do, like you can tell that by tackling it, With these different mediums and experiences for the viewer, she's really focused on the motivation for the work and what she wants people to take away from it more so than the actual tangible art itself.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely.
0: Like just a means to an end. So as exemplified in Nirvana and Pure Land, Mori is very interested in the relationship between reality and fantasy. And in her work, she creates fantasies of future worlds full of cyber technology, religious symbolism, and pop culture. So she's working with a lot of different iconography in order to bring together these images. Mori makes these works with the hope of offering a meditative experience for viewers Nirvana aims to achieve this through an immersive and multisensory experience, while Pure Land allows for a longer and potentially uninterrupted meditation. Over time, Mori began using her body less within her work, and her aesthetic became increasingly extraterrestrial. And using this space imagery in her work underscores the universality by omitting human figures and the meanings that we place onto appearance. So... Just the fact that she is a Japanese woman adds layers and assumptions that she's trying to avoid. Mori wants us to imagine a world where we can reach enlightenment through the unity of all people.
1: I I, I love it. That's so good.
0: I know. I feel like she's definitely speaking to your vibes
1: yeah (laughs) very much so i want to imagine that unity people world too maury i like it (laughs) (laughs) all right so what has maury been up to since the turn of the century making more dope art her exhibition titled rebirth was shown in london and new york from 2012 to 2013 it was made up of 35 works including installation audio photographs and drawings All of the artworks in the show were created between 2003 and 2012, and they were first exhibited at the Royal Academy in London before being moved to the Japan Society in New York. In an interview about Rebirth, Mori addresses the fact that the two spaces are very different. She explains that prioritizing a particular sequence for the exhibition, she was able to make the installation-heavy show work in vastly different spaces.
0: For this exhibition, Mori continues exploring universal themes, but this time she does so by looking back to the human origin story. She visited archaeological sites in order to gain a deeper connection and understanding to our ancestors. One facet that resonated with her was how prehistoric people honored nature and how their culture was so deeply rooted in nature. And from these visits, Maury created work that deals with the cycles of nature and the relationship between human beings and nature, and ultimately our connection to nature. She believes that modern humans have forgotten, and so she wants to revitalize the connection through her art.
1: Amen. Right? All of it. I know. I'm just, I'm so into all of it.
0: Lofty goals, really beautiful aesthetic. She's just trying to bring people together.
1: Just, like, wants us all to have a, a good transcendent time connecting with one another. I'm um, so about right? it. So about it.
0: Marika Mori, everyone. She is awesome.
1: Yeah. she's She's got something figured out. I would like to sit down and pick her brain for sure. There was an
0: article where they, like, jokingly referenced that she's probably an alien. <laughs> i'm just like
1: dude she's i mean like probably (laughs) if yeah i mean if if there are higher dimensional beings like yeah (laughs) she's (laughs) just trying to help us out
0: she's just trying to nudge us in the right direction
1: just trying to clean up the mess we made <laughs> yeah very into it i'm excited to explore her work more because i didn't have a chance to do as much research as i wanted to but i feel like i feel like i could go a lot of directions with a lot of these themes that she works mm-hmm. with and if we ever did a full-length episode i will probably go on many a uh, passionate rant about many of these no i'd be so down to do a full-length
0: episode on her it's yeah I we could yeah. go on for a while so
1: I think there's just there's a lot to unpack but also just personally there, I think there's a lot to get yeah, excited to just about, about. Over. <laughs> yeah to just get like really amped yeah. on and I think those are always like our best episodes anyway so we'll add it to the list because I definitely want to spend more time with her work for Agreed. sure
0: and the esoteric cosmos man
1: give me over to the esoteric cosmos that's (laughs) when i die
0: send my body up to the esoteric cosmos
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes please i mean i'm pretty sure that's where i'm going anyways but that's like where you belong yeah that's what i imagine happens when you die so like this is just like a sneak peek (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: all right and all we got on that?
1: Yeah, I think so. Thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, uh, if you have any questions or thoughts, hit us up at arthistorybabes at gmail.com. Check us out on the Instagram at Art History Babes podcast. our YouTube, we're on there, arthistorybabes.com. All the things you can find us. It's great. It's a great time.
0: It is. Go check it out. You're missing out if you haven't checked it out. Yeah. Don't miss out. Don't
1: miss out. You don't you don't want to miss out. That'd be a shame. Mm-mm. And uh we'll Mm-mm. we'll see y'all in the esoteric cosmos. I love you. Bye. Eat our history, babes. Oh, you sleepy?
0: <laughs> yes, a little bit.
1: I took a nap from uh like three to five thirty, so I'm gonna be up all night.
0: <laughs> Man, yeah, you are.